Let's take it to Acts chapter number 6. We're going to study there this morning, and, and uh, it's a message. Uh, as I was studying it out this week, the Lord really laid on my heart, and, and uh, we'll talk about, we'll, we'll probably spend a lot of time in the, uh, in the introduction, and uh, the sermon will be a lot shorter than the introduction. But as we look at this text this morning, uh, it's, if you will, if the title, if you had a title of the message, it'd be problem in the church, a problem in the church. The children of Israel, um, here we are, they're sitting here, these, these Israelites, uh, some of them. And then some of them will learn today that some of them are Greeks and Hebrews. And there's a group of different people that have been saved and they've become a part of the church. And the church has grown uh, from what I understand or the, the, the historians that I've read or read after they say the church was, uh, had thousands of people. Uh, if you read in the, uh, in the book, of, in, in the uh, couple of first chapters, I'm sorry, my mind, I was trying to think of what to say, that, that word to say, but in the first couple of chapters of, of Acts, we see that there were 3,000 people saved and 5,000 people saved, baptized, and they were added to the church, the Bible says. And so we're looking at a good group of people, thousands of people that have, that have come on board, they've, got, uh, they've gotten saved, they got into church. And uh, of course, you know, it's not like today where we have this big meeting place you know, they might have had a meeting place, but it was more quietly and secretly and discreet because of the persecution that had taken place in chapter number five. And uh, Peter and John and the apostles had been beaten. Um, and then immediately we go into a problem with the church, a problem that the apostles face immediately with the church. And, uh, you know, it's as I look at this and I really wonder why, why the problem now? Why the problem now? Uh, in, in this text, the apostles were just beaten. Um, and they were basically threatened by the ends of their life and told, to, told not to preach in the name of Jesus. And they immediately went back out and they began to preach and teach in houses and, and the synagogues and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, and then verse number one happens, uh, which is the problem that takes place in the church. So let's, let's talk about that this morning. You've got our Bibles open to Acts chapter number 6. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. If you can, we'll stand just out of respect to reading God's Word. And we'll read the first seven verses and jump in. I, we might get through all of it. I'm not for sure. We'll see how, how it goes here this morning. But the uh, Bible says in verse number 1, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, um, there arose a murmuring. This was the problem uh, they, they begin to murmur. Uh, if, we've, if you've done any study, and I know you have, in the Old Testament, uh, the children of Israel, that's what they did. Uh, they, would, they would have a victory, and they would get on the other side of that victory, and they'd begin to gripe and complain and murmur about what had taken place. They crossed the Red Sea, and they griped. They, they, they had manna. They griped. The, they, they saw water come from the rock, and they begin to complain and murmur. And here we are. Uh, they're just beginning to murmur. Now, uh, they had a, a legitimate 
murmur. I understand that too. But in verse number one, the Bible says, and the murmuring, and there rose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in daily ministration. Uh, then the twelve called the multitude of, dis- of the disciples unto them and said, it, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out uh, among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the, and the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and uh, uh, not for sure how to say that, Nicor, and uh, Timon, and, and Parmesan, and uh, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, uh, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. Now, we'll take these seven verses. I'll give you a couple thoughts from here, and uh, we'll... we'll uh, We'll talk about the problem that takes place in the church and then, and then how, how God resolves it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these, uh, everyone that's here this morning. I thank you for every individual that, that chose to be in church this morning. I pray for those that could not be in church this morning uh, for whatever reason it may be. But Lord, I pray that you'd help them, encourage them. And, and I thank you for uh, everyone, that you, everyone that you brought here. And I, I thank you for this scripture as we look at this scripture this morning as it stirred in my heart this morning. And and uh, wow, uh, what, a, what a great thing that takes place at the end of the problem. And uh, we love you, Lord. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for all that you've done. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. So as we look at this problem that arose in the church, we begin to look, uh, just by way of introduction, there was a murmuring. Number one, there was a murmuring that takes place. And this murmuring that takes place, uh, murmuring means to utter complaints in a low voice or a soft manner, grumbling or complaining. See, when something or somebody murmurs, they're not going to say it loud enough that everybody can hear. They want to spread it among the friends that they have so they can all begin to murmur. And so if they really, truly, if these people really had a problem, they would not have begun to murmur. They would have brought it to the apostles. And when someone begins to murmur and someone begins to complain, they just want to spread that disgust that's in their life. Sometimes, uh, honestly, if you look at our life, we, every one of us, have something to complain about. We could all sit back in our seats and we could complain about something, uh, whether the food was hot at breakfast or not, or whatever it is, we could all find something to complain about. And may I say to you, as you attend church here today, and whether you're involved or whether you're not involved, you can find something to gripe about. And you can find something to complain about. You can, because there's, there's, there's faults and there's failures because we're human. And uh, well, I'm not perfect, and this church is not perfect, and there's not one person in here that's perfect. Right. But you can sit back in your seat, and you can gripe and complain and murmur about what you see and what takes place and what doesn't take place and what you think should take place. And you can do that, but it's only going to create a bad spirit in you. And it will create a bad spirit of those around you. And murmuring is wrong, and it's wicked in the sight of God. 
God. You say, well, uh, does the Bible really say that? The Bible says in the book of Philippians chapter 2, he says, do all things without murmurings and disputing. John says in John chapter 6 and verse 43, Jesus therefore answered and said to them, murmur not among yourselves. Look, if you've got a problem, if you have something that is going on, bring that to the leadership, bring that to the people. Uh, don't sit back and murmur and complain because what you do is you cause the problem to be worse than what it really is because you just uh, begin to murmur to this person and murmur to this person and murmur to this person. And when it really was only you, and then it began to affect everyone else. See, if, and the great illustration that I've always seen or I've always looked at, you and I have a conversation about somebody you've never met and I talk down to them and I talk about them, and I talk about how bad they are, and I begin to air my complaints to you about somebody you've never met, and immediately you develop a, an idea about this person in whom you've never met. And so the first time you meet them, you've already got these preconceived ideas that I was murmuring to you about and complaining to you about, and, and though you've never met them. Listen, if somebody wants to murmur to you, shut them up and say, no, I don't want to hear it. Because a gossip and a murmur is only going to to talk to somebody that will listen to them. And and I want to say this too. If someone's gossiping to you about somebody, that means they're gossiping to somebody else about you too. Gossip is wrong and murmur's wrong. And it's wrong to gripe and complain because it only creates a bad spirit in you. Because, oh, oh, man, we all have something to gripe about. Every one of us do. We all do. And their murmuring was wrong. And your murmuring, my murmuring is wrong. I'm just as wrong. I I need to look myself in the mirror just as much as anybody else and make sure that I'm not complaining and griping and and, and doing all that. The Bible says, you know, see what happens is, I want to make a statement before I move on to that next verse, but the Bible says and teaches us that Satan hates the church. He hates the church. He doesn't like it to grow. He doesn't like it to prosper. He doesn't like it when people get saved. He doesn't like it when people get their lives in order and start getting in church. And so he'll get a disgruntled Christian to start griping and start complaining and start murmuring and cause trouble in the church because they want to murmur about the things going on in the church that they don't like. And that's what, that's what took place in this text. They begin to use their mouth for something it should not have been because God was working. Bible says in James chapter number one, the Bible says, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue and but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Yes. What does that mean? That means if I don't bridle my tongue and I talk and I talk and I talk and I complain and I complain and I complain and I murmur and I murmur and I murmur and I don't control my tongue, the Bible says my religion is vain. And we talked about vain last week. Vanity means nothing. We've got to control this this little thing in our mouth. This thing will get us in trouble. You know, yeah, we know the words we can never take back. You say them, they're out your mouth. You can never take back. You can say sorry all you want to. You can apologize, but that's not going to change what you said. Right. That's right. That's right. That statement that was made forever ago, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. Words hurt. Words are defeated. People stay from home from church because of things that were said to them. Yes, that's now, right. We've got to watch this 
tongue. This member. Bible talks about it in James as well. There's a couple more verses that talk about the tongue. Bible says in James chapter number three and verse number five, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a manner a little fire kindleth. One little member, verse number six, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and set the, set, setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on, a, on fire of hell. This tongue can start a fire that you don't want to, that, that, would, that is hard to put out. The tongue, the Bible says in James 3, 8, but the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. What we say, not only what we say, but how we say, because yeah. that is just as damning or damaging to someone how we say it as much as what we say. Look, I'm guilty. I've been there. I've said things I shouldn't have said. I, I used tones I shouldn't have used. I have. But this is what was taking place. They were murmuring against the church, murmuring against the, ch the apostles. Words are something you can never take back. You know, not only do I see that they murmured, but I, I want to ask the, the question I want to ask to these men uh, that were complaining. Instead of doing something about taking care of the widows, they just complained about it. And in verse number one, the Bible says that they murmured of the Grecians against the Hebrews because the widows were neglected. Well, what were they doing about it? Talking about it. Talking about it. Instead of doing something themselves about the widow situation, they just wanted to complain about it. What happens is people want to complain about something that they don't want to fix, and they won't do anything to help fix it either. They just want to sit and complain about it. Isn't that true? We've got to complain. We've got to watch our mouth, watch what we say. We can't be murmuring. It hurts the church. It hurts people in the church. It hurts the church going forward. This is what it takes. Uh, this is what takes place in church. People complain, uh, but they're completely unwilling to do anything to change, uh, to change it. Now, let's, I want you to think about this too. It was a, it was a legitimate gripe. It was a legitimate complaint because the widows were not being taken care of and they needed somebody to take care of them. That's why that's what takes place with the apostles. They fixed the problem. But before we get to the solution of the problem, we see the murmuring of the problem. Then we see, number two, that they, they, were, they were worried about race. In verse number, verse number one, they, they were worried about them being Greeks. The Bible says that they were murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. The Greeks felt like they were being mistreated just simply because they were Greeks. That's not the reason why they were being mistreated. That's not the reason why the widows were being neglected. It wasn't because that there was a race problem going on. And no, that to be true is that God loves everybody. It doesn't matter what race a person is, God loves them. And it doesn't matter where you're from, God still loves them and cares for them and died for them. Jesus wasn't a white American that died on a cross. I mean, Jesus was a Middle Eastern Israelite that died on the cross, a Jew that died on the cross. He wasn't black. He wasn't white. He wasn't Mexican. He was an Israelite Jewish man. That's who Jesus was. And when Jesus died on the cross, he did not die just for some men's sins. He died for all men's sins. Every single person's life is important, no matter what color they are. Everybody's life is important. Everybody's life is important. 
when they went and complained, they complained about something they should never have been complaining about because it wasn't a problem. If it was a problem, the Greeks wouldn't have been allowed to go to church with them. But it wasn't the problem. That was not the problem. They threw race. That, that happens today. Way too much is race is thrown into things. When race really has nothing to do with a lot of things that take place. Just simple matter of a fact, the widows were being neglected. See, number one, we see that they murmured. The problem in the church was there was murmuring. The problem in the church, they were worried about race. And then the third problem that was taking place is they, the, the widows were neglected. See, the Bible teaches us that a widow indeed. The Bible says in, in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 3, he says, honor widows that are indeed. What is a widow indeed? A widow indeed, the Bible teaches us in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse number 4 and verse number 5, it teaches us that a widow indeed is someone who has no family, someone who has no son or, or daughter, someone who has no children, and someone who has no nephews. If you are someone who is a widow, indeed, who has no family to take care of them, it's the church's responsibility. We learn this here in Acts chapter 6 and later on in 1 Timothy. It's the church's responsibility to help try to take care of them. To help them. They need a yard mowing? Go help them mow the yard. They need a house cleaner? Go help them clean the house. Whatever it is, we're supposed to take care of the widows indeed. Someone who has no family that can take care of them. That's where this was taking place. They were neglected. These widows were not being taken care of. But I think what happens is, and, and it happens in every church, some things just accidentally fall through the cracks and it's not done on purpose. Some things are not taken care of like they ought to be. Well, well that should be taken care of. Well, sometimes it takes somebody saying, hey, should we do that? Come on, preach. You know, because it wasn't brought to their attention. I mean, yeah, they didn't do that on purpose. They didn't neglect something on purpose. It just simply happened. And so if there's a problem in the church, it needs to be known. But, but not by you murmuring. And not by you complaining. That's not, what's supposed, that's not what fixes problems. Because if you complain and you murmur and you gripe and you gossip, that makes the problem worse. Because when it was isolated to just you, it's been isolated to now 10 or 15 people or however many people you've gossiped to. Because now everybody's got the same axe that you have to grind because you've complained to them. And that's what took place. Was it a legitimate gripe? Yes, it was. Did it need to be fixed? Yes, it did. They had a problem. If there's a problem in the church, it needs to be fixed. Yeah. We well, can't ignore it. Ah, it'll fix itself. No, it doesn't fix itself. Covering it up and burying our head in the sand doesn't fix the problem. And the apostles knew that because in verse number two, they immediately begin to get a solution together. So what's this? So we see that that's the all introduction. So number one in the message is the solution. What was the solution for the problem of the widows being neglected? Well, listen, the apostles said, well, we can't leave the word of God. We can't leave the word of God to go serve tables. You say, what does that mean? That means the preacher's job is to preach the word. The preacher's job, that's right. The preacher's job is to make sure that y'all are being fed. If I'm not in the book studying like I ought to, that's my responsibility. That's me. My job is to get in that book and make sure that I can give something to you when you come to church. Because when you come to church, you're, hey, you need something. You don't just come because you feel like you need something from God. But he says that they can't... Now, Understand this too, is that I am a Christian, okay? 
So not only am I a pastor and my job is to make sure that you're fed, but I'm a Christian, so I need to make sure that I serve God too. Yes or no? Yes. Okay? You're a Christian. You need to make sure that you serve God. <coughs> but watch what takes place here. In those days, it needed to be fixed. It needed to be fixed. There, there was a problem and it needed to be fixed. So let's look at the solution. All right, so what did they do? In verse number three, the Bible says... Uh, wherefore, they, they, the 12 apostles got together. They called the multitude of disciples together. And uh, unto them, uh, verse number two, it is not recent that we should leave the word of God, but let's fix this, okay? So we need to take care of the problem. Verse number three, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. What business is that? That's taking care of the widows. That's making sure that no one falls through the cracks, because sometimes the preacher might miss somebody. Huh? Sometimes somebody might fall through the cracks and you're like, well, where's this? Well, well oh, man, I, I, I missed them. But we've got to team together and work together so that nobody falls through the cracks. And see, that's what took place here is they needed somebody to take care of that specific job. And that was these men, these seven men that they chose. But look, there was qualifications for these men. Well, we can't just put anybody over top of these widows and make sure that they're taken care of because we need to make sure that they will do the job that we've asked them to do. So they need to be specific men. Uh, and, and God chose men too. In verse number three, the Bible says, okay, so look, let's look at this report that they wanted to be. Number one, they needed to be an honest report. They didn't need to be dishonest. They didn't need to be somebody out there in the community that was being dishonest. They didn't need to be somebody that was in the church doing dishonest dealings. They needed to be somebody that was honest, that it was an honest report. But not only that, but in verse number, two, uh, verse number three, number two, he said they need to be full of the Holy Ghost. So they need to make sure that they're full of the Holy Spirit of God, that the, the Holy Spirit directs their path, the Holy Spirit directs their life. If, if, if preacher or whoever it is, we, this is what they, looked, they were looking for, these men. That were one that were honest report one two that were men of the holy full of the Holy Ghost and then number three they were full of wisdom. You know you don't have to have you don't have to be old to have wisdom. Do you? No. No. You know where wisdom comes from? Amen. This Bible. You want wisdom? This is where we get it from. I know that we can have worldly wisdom and know about things and have history wisdom, but that's not what this is talking about. It's not talking about knowing how, the things about the world. This is talking about Bible knowledge, Bible wisdom. Yes. You know why they needed wisdom? Because they needed to know who to take care of. They needed to know what was to take place. They were looking for someone that was full of the Holy Ghost, honest. They were looking for someone that was, uh, that was, uh, that was full of wisdom and also someone that could serve tables. Someone that could take care of the things of the Lord. Now, but I want you to see something too as well. In verse number four, these men, these apostles say, now look, these guys have got to take care of the job because verse number four has got to take place. He said, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. See, they wanted to make sure that the church business was taken care of and make sure the widows were taken care of and make sure that no one fell through the cracks. So we have to get these men to appoint to do this so we can stay and pray and read God's Word and get in God's Word. They didn't have a written Word like we have today. 
So they were studying God's Word but through scrolls or whatever they had. God, can you imagine what their study looked like? These men wanted to, that's what they were doing this for. It wasn't to elevate the men that they appointed. It wasn't to elevate themselves. It wasn't to elevate the church. It was to make sure that no one fell through the cracks. So they appointed seven men. This church was, again, I say this was a very large church. The Bible talks those seven men. I, I don't know exactly how to pronounce all of them. But there in verse number five is all, all seven of them that they appoint. Those are the seven men that they appoint. Now, verse number six. Look what they did. After they appointed them, they found them. They didn't have a vote to see who was, who was the, next, the next guy, okay? They didn't go before the people. They looked out among them. The Bible says that they looked out among them. I need to look at uh, in verse, verse number three. He says, brethren, look ye out among you. Let's go find them. Let's find these men that are seven men that are of honest report, that have wisdom. They, let's look them out. And they found them. They found seven men. Now watch what takes place in verse number six. So they weren't done. This was the solution to the problem, to make sure that those widows did not fall through the cracks anymore. And verse number six, and whom they set before the apostles. Okay, so they brought these seven men before the apostles, and the apostles laid hands on them. The Bible says, and they prayed on them. Okay, this is what they're doing. They are going to be in charge of taking care of the widows. Let's pray over them. And they laid hands on them, and they prayed over them. Listen, when there's... A position like that is a deacon. That's what this position is, is a deacon. This was the first institution of the deacon right here. And that job of the deacon is right here. The qualifications, and it goes in more detail in, in, in Timothy, a more detail of a deacon. But do you know what? Brother Blackie is the deacon of the church. But Brother Blackie and I, we, we got to work together so that nobody falls through the cracks. That, that we're on the same page for the, for the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ. Amen. You say, well, I'm not a deacon. Well, it doesn't matter if you're a deacon or not. You can still serve God. Amen. And make sure people don't fall through the cracks. Make sure we don't miss anybody because we need more people to serve God. The things that happen in this church don't take place all on its own. I mean, there has to be someone to serve. There has to be someone that's willing to do something for God. Like these men, they were willing to just do something for God. Well, you don't have to have a position to do something for God. You don't have to have a position to feel like you're... Listen, everybody's important. And know that too, that I, we're just a part of this church too. And I, I just have a title behind my name. That's it. I'm nobody. I'm just, I'm just an, an average Christian Joe. That's, that's it. I'm just like you are. And Brother Blackie's the same. And as we look at this, that's what we're all. We're all part of God's family. Let's work together and serve together. And, and look, if you've got a gripe or if you've got a complaint, if you've got something really, then come to us. And hey, hey, we need to see if we can do something and keep people from falling through the cracks. But don't go behind, uh, go behind the church. And, right, you should see what this person's doing and this person and this, this, and this, and complain about everything, but don't bring it to nobody. Okay, and so this is, this is the solution. Well, let's take care of it. Let's appoint these seven men to be in that position. They're going to take care of the widows. Now what takes place? We, after the solution is over, there's a surge. Number two is the surge. Look in verse number seven. Do you know what the surge was? 
And the Bible says, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem. Amen. Now, what took place is these seven men were able to take care of the needs of the church, uh, whatever it was, taking care of the widows, taking care of that stuff. So the preachers that were there could get in the Word and study and do the ministry of the Word, is what the Bible says. And then the church multiplied. Now, I'm not a math whiz, but I know the difference between addition and multiplication. Right. You know what it means to add? You know what happens when you add four and four? What do you get? Not in today's math. Well, see, no, I'm just kidding. Look, when you, have, when you multiply four times four, it doesn't give you eight. It gives you more. And the Bible says that the Word of God, uh, the Word of God increased, which was a surge, and then the number of disciples multiplied. So what was there? A hundred disciples, and they times it by however many people got saved. And so what happened was, is the Word of God increased because there were more people serving God, more people involved, more people praying, more people making sure that people don't fall through the cracks, so the Word of God would increase. For our church to do exactly this, we need everybody involved, everybody working, everybody striving together. Don't pull that direction. Don't pull against it. Don't gripe and complain and murmur and all that kind of stuff. That doesn't fix anything. We've got to team in together and pull together so that God will increase the Word of God and multiply the disciples of the church. That's what took place. There was a huge surge that took place. Now, not only was there the Word of God increased, the disciples multiplied, but look at the last part of verse number 7. <coughs> and a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. You know what happened? A bunch of Jewish synagogue priests got saved. Amen. That's what took place. Life-changing moments. Yeah. Well, when we're all on the same team, God begins to work. And you can't explain it. Well, where, where did that happen? How did that happen? God is working on our behalf. Like I said before, if you have a complaint, if you have something, hey, bring it to my attention. But please, don't gripe about it and complain about it because it doesn't fix anything. And not only that, let's all do it together. Well, I can't do, well, I can't, look, it doesn't matter what you can and cannot do. Every person in this church has an important position. Look, we, we'd go out every week and pass out Bibles. You say, well, I can't go with you. Well, I physically can't do it. Well, then you need to take that time. And if I say I'm going out on Saturday, you need to take that time and pray for me while I go out. Amen. What else can you do? You say, well, I can go with you. Well, then come on. Right. Let's go. It's, our, it's my responsibility as a, as a preacher is to make sure that I'm in this Word. And as I've studied this, it, may, it convicted me. The Bible says in verse number four, he says that they gave, continue, they gave themselves continually to prayer. 
That means they did it nonstop. That's convicting to me. Because I'm not always praying. You know what? But I, do you know what I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to make sure that I continue to pray and get in this Word so that I can give you something. Right. And then I'm also a Christian. So I have the responsibility just like you to serve in the church. So if there's a toilet that needs to be cleaned, I need to clean it. And if there's a spot that needs to be vacuumed, then I need to vacuum it. If there's trash in the yard, then I need to pick it up. I'll leave it, leave it for the guy that cleans the church, right? That's not how it works, is it, Brother Terry? No, that's not how it works. Make sure Brother Terry's job's harder when he comes by to clean. That's not how it works. We're all in this together. And we've got to strive to do that. No job is too little, and no person is too small. Every job is important. Amen. Just ask the doctor how important your eyelid is to your eye. How important is it your eyelid works properly? Because if it doesn't, then your eye is either flooded with too much water or too dry. Bible says that we're the body of Christ. Every member is important. Your job, who you are, is important to God and to this preacher. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. I thank you for this morning.